Hi, I'm Liz Ryan, and this is the Work-Related Podcast. We're talking about work, uh, how to navigate careers and workplace issues and leadership issues, how to figure out what kind of work suits you. But we're also talking about the nature of work and why work is the way it is and how it could be and how we believe work should be. The company is called Human Workplace, and our mission is to reinvent work for people to reinvent the practices, and especially the mindset. That's my fixation, our mindset around work that really that really um, creates a lot of problems for us. Uh, old ideas that many of us were taught, maybe most of us were taught about what work and what work has to be, limitations that don't serve any of us uh, as individuals and also as organizations. It's an interesting time because leaders in companies now and institutions are seeing the limitations of that old model. The model where we don't tell the truth at work and we manage through fear, for example, commanding employees uh, back to the office, what they call RTO, return to the office. It's just 100% fear-based management. There's really no way to even cover that up. There's no way to make it look any different than what it is. It's literally managers saying, I want to see you here. I don't care if that means you have to commute. I don't care if that disrupts your personal life. And I don't even care if you've spent the last three years proving that you can do your job from home. You work for me and you're going to do your job here. And this is um, a great illustration of how fear operates in the workplace. What does it do? It stifles innovation and collaboration and you're not going to get obviously anybody really excited about their work the state they need to be in to do their best work the state they want to be in when you're commanding them where to do their work even though they know that it isn't necessary it's just to assuage uh fearful managers anxiety about not being able to see their employees it's a it's a factory mindset really a 19th century factory mindset. So that's what we talk about uh, among lots of other workplace topics is how to step out of that mindset and and make work something different for ourselves individually and for the organizations that we work for and with. So I've got some questions and some topics, but I wanted to start with the topic of it's a new year now, 2023, and man, there is so much pent up um, uh, everything energy and enthusiasm and creativity that people have been wanting to bring out and bring forth. And now they're just sick and tired of being in this sort of holding pattern that started when COVID emerged or even before that. And they want to do something. This is all that I hear now in reading the mail in my inbox, uh, email, and also on LinkedIn and other platforms. I want to do something. I need to get something going. My life is passing by and I need to do something with the time that I've got. So here we are in a new year, 2023. It's 12 months, like all the other years, and they are going to go fast. The older we get, the faster the years seem to go. Makes sense because it's the same 12 months, but it makes up a smaller and smaller percentage of the time that we've been on Earth. So the years seem to really, really fly by. And what we don't want to do is have 2023 fly by without 
accomplishing any of the things that we want to accomplish. So the question is, how do you make the most out of this new year, these precious 12 months? I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions for a few reasons. One is that they tend to go by the wayside really, really quickly by late January or early February for most people. And that makes tons of sense because where do resolutions come from? I need to get to the gym. I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to eat in a more healthy way. I need to save more money. They come from a parental place. They come from a critical, judgmental place. You should, you should, you should. It's not an uplifted place, right? We have enough on our plates. We have enough stress. Without the new year's resolutions, we have a long to-do list. We have pressures of all different kinds. So I'm not in favor of this idea of putting more pressure on us. However, I think there is something to be done in the new year or at any moment, but the new year creates this great opportunity to get fresh perspective on the way we're spending our time and the way we're using our gifts. And there is something to be done and that is to stop and reflect and allow a vision to take shape, a vision for the life that you want to live, how you want to spend your time, Without specific plans and goals, what what did I read? You see this all over the place. A vision without goals and plans is just a daydream or something like that. Um, hmm, that might be true, but my problem is what I see all around me is people not creating a vision, not knowing that they have permission to create a vision for your life. It's way more important to soften the energy around what you believe is possible for yourself and allow your your thoughts to float up. We talk at Human Workplace about three levels of altitude. The ground level is where we spend most of our time. I've got to throw a load of laundry in. I've got to put gas in the car. I got to think about dinner. I actually have to clean out the fridge. I have to, oh, I have so many things to do. I have to pay bills. I have to do this stuff for work. It's a constant pressure. We spend all of our time on the ground and we feel that we have no choice. It would be a luxury to go anywhere else, right? But the problem with operating all the time or so much of the time on the ground is that obstacles on the ground loom very large. So we feel on the ground as though we don't have any control over circumstances. It's not a place to see where we've been or where we're going and to survey the landscape ahead of us and make choices. That's why most people are focused on tiny incremental steps forward towards something that they have not clarified in their own minds. So when I say to someone, what do you want? And they say, well, I want my boss to stop, you know, getting down on me. I say, well, why is that important? Well, that's important because it's really stressful when I have to listen to my boss's criticism. Absolutely. I get that. It's really stressful. But if your boss stopped getting down on you, uh, miraculously one day, would this be the job that you should have? 
That's a bigger question. That's a question you don't answer on the ground. To answer those questions, you have to get above the ground. So the second level of altitude that we talk about at human workplace is the hilltop level. Imagine that there's a big hill in your town and you're walking up and you get to a point high up on this hill where you can really survey the landscape and look at everything around you for miles and see where you've been and see your path and actually give yourself credit for what you've accomplished and what you've surmounted in your life and your career so far. And you can also chart a course going forward because you see the options. This is what we seldom, if ever, give ourselves permission to do, to look at our own lives and our own paths from a higher altitude and from the perspective that we have choices. The highest level of altitude is the cloud level. And that takes something special to get there. You have to give yourself permission. You have to relax into a state where you are allowed, where you allow yourself to envision the life that you want and deserve. And some people say it takes time. Numerous sort of sessions, envisioning sessions, to imagine what you really, really want out of your life, especially if it's very different from your current situation. And one reason it's so difficult for so many folks to drift up to that cloud level and really allow a vision to shake shape is because of messages that they've received that said, how dare you? Who do you think you are? to have a vision for your life. Doesn't that sound grandiose? Well, not really. I, as far as I know, only have this one life and the amount of time that I get, although I don't know how much time I'll spend here on this planet, but I know that I better use it in the way that I choose. But they literally have been told over and over and over again, it's not up to you. Be grateful you have a job and don't ask questions beyond that. This is a common, common issue that people run into. So they have to find the confidence to allow themselves to have a vision. It, it Maybe they don't tell anyone about it because people might judge them. They might be critical. They might say, you'll never accomplish that, right? I don't think you're going to do any of that stuff. That raises another question. Who are the people I'm spending time with and why are they allowed into my sphere. But this time of year is a great time to get a cup of tea or whatever you like to drink, carve out some time out of your day, find a quiet place, maybe have some music playing, maybe have your journal and a pen and ask yourself, what do I want? What do I want? It's not, I want my boss to stop complaining what how does that's okay that's a little bit of a respite from some pain or discomfort you've been dealing with but that's not the vision what does that vision look like what do i want it takes courage to even allow that vision to emerge because as i said so many of us have been told it's not up to us but there's another reason it can be hard 
to float up to that cloud level of altitude. And that is that we may feel if I have a vision, if it takes shape and it becomes clear, then I'm under pressure to go after it. And I already have enough on my plate. But here's what actually happens. When the vision becomes clear to you, when you really see it, lots of other things become less important. If you had a vision, for example, to radically change what you're doing in your life and your work as a result, you wouldn't care. Perhaps you wouldn't care if your boss gets down on you. You yourself would have shifted. And your boss's complaints would just go in one ear and out the other. You'd say, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. I used to work with a guy when I was in my 20s. And I was a customer service supervisor in my early 20s. And there was one fellow who worked with us named Bob Finn. And he was a customer service guy, but he was much older than the rest of us. He was in his 50s. And he was so chill. He was so calm and so relaxed. And one day I said, Bob, how are you able to be so zen-like, wafting through here? You're not caught up in any of the drama. You don't complain. You don't anything. It's You're just like this. You just sort of slide through all this stuff. He says, well, I'm, I'm going after something. I'm happy to know all you people. You're nice enough, but I, 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 have, a, I have something I'm, I'm working toward. Well, do you want to tell me what it is, you know, if, you, if you're comfortable? Yeah, I'm, I'm studying. It's going to take me a couple more years, but I'm going to become a Jesuit priest. And then it made sense. He had a vision, Bob did, and the rest of the stuff was just flotsam and jetsam. It didn't, it didn't bother him. How could it bother him? It wasn't important to him. He was following his path and he knew what he wanted. So I looked up Bob not long ago because I was telling my son about him. And he passed on five or six years ago, but he was a Jesuit priest and did incredible things. Took him years, even after he entered the Jesuit community. He did much more training and more school, and he taught, and he wrote, and he was an amazing uh, a contributor. And he had already had a whole life before that as a newspaper man and raised children, and, and this was a, a second chapter or third chapter for him, but he saw it clearly and he wanted it. And lots of other things that might have bothered someone else or might have bothered him at an earlier time just didn't matter anymore. And that's what I want for you and all of us to allow yourself to have a vision for your life that makes so much of the nonsense on the ground irrelevant or less important. Something annoying happens, yeah, whatever. Who cares? I have a vision. I am, I am solidifying my vision and clarifying it and not putting pressure on myself to immediately break it down into goals and timetables. It has to become clear first. I have to allow the vision, the vision to blossom first. I have to allow this vision to expand, to take in every aspect of my life that it wants to. I have to give it room and time. It's way more important than another adding another 10 items to my to-do list. When you see people lift it up, 
It's because they are lifted up towards something. Your vision will draw you forward. Your vision will make clear what your plans should be. Plans, just plans and goals, Who? why? What's the benefit, right? People say, well, I need to work on this aspect of my life or that aspect. But the burning question is, why do you need to do any of that? What is the end goal of all that, right? With luck, it's to live the life that you want and deserve. So this is a great time of year to dive into that envisioning process. And it's a practice. It's a practice like meditation or yoga. And what happens as you begin to let a vision for your life take shape is that the next steps become clear, clearer, right? The next steps become clearer. You change, you gain confidence because this vision is part of you and it emanates and it emerges from you, from who you are and what you care about and what you believe in. The tumult in the working world has got a lot of people very freaked out, but it's gotten a lot of other people really inspired because they say, if I know that I'm not going to get a job, no matter what job it is, that's going to be a great job when I get it, and it's going to stay a great job for 20 years, and I'm going to thrive there, and I'm going to move up the corporate ladder because the corporate ladder does not exist anymore, and they're seeing this, and they say, then why don't I do this work stuff on my own terms? Why don't I decide what I want out of my career or series of jobs? Why don't I decide? It seems like Mother Nature or whatever influences me is pushing me to take charge of my career rather than waiting for somebody else to tell me what to do. So this is the time of year. Great, great exercise is to get your journal Get a pen, get a cup of tea, and just imagine what would it look like if I had everything I want? I have some questions to answer, questions from readers. And if you have a question for me, you can send it to me at support at humanworkplace.com and I'll try to answer your question in a future podcast. Okay. Hi, Liz. There are numerous interview questions I'm nervous about. I hate to run into these questions. You know what they are. What's your greatest weakness? What's your five-year plan? And why should we hire you? Can you help me with answers to these questions? Yes, of course, I can give you answers to these questions. But here's the thing. Remember how I said that gaining altitude, going up to the cloud level, about yourself, your life, your career, empowers you, makes you stronger. That's what we're talking about, personal power, personal growth, which can be really different from professional growth that may have more to do with getting a certification or getting promoted. Those things are great, but personal growth is everything. Everything I teach and everything we teach and coach at Human Workplace is powered by you. It's powered by your confidence and belief in yourself, your flame. So growing your flame is actually way more important than getting a certification or or getting a promotion because it's 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 a muscle that that you have and nobody else has to confer that on you. Promotion can be taken away. 
A certification can be deemed more valuable or less valuable, depending on how technology changes or a given organization or just fashions, right? But your personal power cannot be taken away. You will always have that. And that will allow you to walk away from the wrong situations, walk toward the right situations, and to know what you want, to know what you want and what's important to you. So I'll give you the answers to these three interview questions for sure right now, but what's much, much more important than having the words is having the mindset that not every employer or every opportunity deserves you. And that if you don't answer a question to someone's satisfaction, it's fine because an interview is a matching exercise, like a date. It's not about going there and having to please someone. They also have to please you, right? Energetically, it has to be a good equilibrium between you and this other person. If you would feel that they were asking a lot of questions that you didn't find especially relevant, or worthy of your attention, you might decide, I don't want the job, but I have confidence that another job, a better job, will be out there. Because these are not good questions, obviously. What's your greatest weakness is a horrible interview question. Because, I mean, where do I start? It is not carved in stone that human beings have weaknesses. That's an idea more akin to a religious idea than anything based in science or nature. We don't just have weaknesses. That's a belief that some people have. Many other people and many faith traditions take the view that we don't have any weaknesses, but actually that babies come to this planet perfectly equipped to carry out their mission here. So for someone to ask you an intrusive question like, what's your greatest weakness, assumes that they subscribe to the view that people have weaknesses, but much worse than that, that they also believe you should tell them, a perfect stranger, what your weaknesses are. doesn't even make sense. What's a weakness? Something you don't do well? I, I have about a million things I don't do well, but why should I, right? Or why should you? So the way I would answer that question is, you know, I used to think so much about weaknesses and things I needed to do better than I do, and now I really focus on getting better at the things I'm meant to be doing, like in my case, graphic design or root cause analysis, whatever it is. So that's really where I try to focus my energy. It's the mindset though, not the words. The second question you asked was, what's my five-year plan? Five years, very tough to say what I'll be doing. Look at the last five. No one would have predicted us here in year three of COVID, but I think I'll be doing work that stimulates me and um, perhaps getting more involved in X, whatever it is, digital marketing, which interests me now, but, you know, things can change. Ridiculous question. They're not making you a job offer for five years, not in the U.S., where we have still employment at will and a job offer has no particular duration. The third question was, why should we hire you? Here's what I suggest on that one. You say, how about this? You ask, why should you hire me? Let me repeat back what I heard about this need, about your need here, your situation and your your requirements and see if, if, I, if I hit it right or if I'm off kilter. So I heard that you, the company is growing 
and I heard that you're opening two new distribution centers and you need somebody to coordinate supply chain and operational issues for those two distribution centers, working with your procurement folks and your operations and production folks, and that you especially need to make sure that inventory control and production planning is is really up to speed because this is a critical issue for you. And it would be very bad for the organization if those things were not tightly managed. Did I get that about right? You're going to talk to them about their pain, not about you. Well, I'm hardworking and loyal and thrifty. No, right? It's mindset. The mindset is that you are there to see. I went to see about this job, not to beg for the job, but to see about the job and to have them see about me. And a good interview is an interview, a a conversation where everybody's brain is working and on display. That's a good interview. If you are just answering questions like, like in a police interrogation, that's a bad interview and that's a big red flag. And my message here to managers and HR people is, look at your interview script. And if you have hiring managers still asking these ancient kind of insulting questions, talk with them and help them come around to a different way of interviewing. Next next week in our podcast, I'll talk about the way we teach interviewing at Human Workplace, about our interviewing protocol. All right, got another question. Hi, Liz, what are the signs that an employee is job hunting? Mm. What are the signs that an employee is job hunting? Well, I said mindset is everything, and here we are back at mindset. Um, you do not want to know the signs that an employee is job hunting. That's like uh, that's like uh, we lived in Boulder, and I called one time the um, whoever the outer what is it called? Um, there's some office that deals with wildlife out in the world, and I said, oh, you know. There's a mountain lion in my front yard. I don't want to go outside in the front yard because there's a mountain lion there. And they said, is it acting aggressively? <laughs> is it acting aggressively? Well, no, it's just lying in the front yard, but it's still kind of a scary 150-pound mountain lion that could eat me or my children. By the time the mountain lion is acting aggressively, I'm not calling you, okay? I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but... By the time your employee is showing signs of job hunting, that is way past the point where you could talk to them about it or have any influence on them. You do not want to know the signs that an employee is job hunting. You want to just proactively talk to your employee and all of the employees on your team all the time. How are you doing? What do you need? What's important to you? And then, of course, you can't just ask. You have to act on what they tell you. doesn't do you any good to know the signs that an employee is job hunting. What are you going to do? How are you going to stop them from job hunting? Make them a preemptive counteroffer before they give notice? No, you're, you you want to, you want to, that's, that's playing by the net, right? That's, that's trying to keep the ball out of the net when you're one inch in front of the, in front of the net. I'm talking like I know sports. No, you're going to, you're going to just change that whole conversation, get altitude on it and say, how do I achieve a state where the last thing anyone here would want to do is look for a different job because this is a great job. You're not looking to know at the 11th hour, at the crisis point where they're already job hunting, you want to be talking with them all the time about what would make this job the best job they've ever had or hope to have. All right. So let me mention this. We get tons and tons of inquiries 
at our company about career coaching. And I'm really excited to be close to launching our first career coaches directory where we'll have our career coaches that we trained their their profiles and contact information for people who need job search help or any kind of career help, career reinvention or moving up, um, getting stronger at their current job, that they can get help from human workplace career coaches who, who have learned our approach, our curriculum, this mindset that I'm talking about and our courses. And we're launching that directory later this month. Also, if you're interested in becoming a career coach with our help, get in touch with me and we'll talk about how that works and how you can do that and be in this coach directory yourself. So that's it. We're Human Workplace. Thank you for following. We're super excited about 2023 and about you and your opportunities and your future and your flame.